electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. The tragedies in the Israel-Hamas war have sparked outrage and outspoken executives. One university president says truth will unite and guide campus and corporate leaders. Yeshiva University's Rabbi Ari Berman. The first truth is that Hamas is a terrorist organization. The second truth is that the Palestinians are not Hamas. And United CEO Scott Kirby has a prediction for the airline industry, and it could spell turbulence for cheaper carriers. As long as United has seats in the market, people are not going to fly a frontier spirit. They, I think they have to change the business model to make it attractive for customers or they're going to go out of business. That and much more today. It is Wednesday, October 18th, 2023. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back to by in three, two, one. Cue, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Joe, welcome back. Thank you. Good to see you. Good to see you. Mr. President, you're meeting with our united war cabinet, united and resolved to lead Israel to victory. I wanted to be here today uh, for a simple reason. I want the people of Israel, the people of the world, to know where the United States stands. President Biden landing in Israel earlier this morning and met with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. NBC's Jay Gray joins us this morning from Tel Aviv. Jay. Hey there. Good morning, guys. And yeah, the president meeting with Benjamin Netanyahu, as you talk about, and later today with the Israeli War Council, who he will not be meeting with, though, is his Arab allies. The summit that had been set up uh, canceled. There'll be no trip to Jordan as well. That was something that was planned here. And that was considered a pretty important part of this visit in the sense that the president had hoped to talk about tamping down concerns that are growing right now over this becoming a much wider military conflict. You know, there are already growing escalations along the border with Lebanon. There have been casualties of soldiers on both sides, the Israeli side and Hezbollah there on that border. And uh, we do know that Israel is moving in more troops, more equipment over the last uh, several days. So that's a big concern regionally and something the president had hoped to discuss. Now, he does plan to make phone calls with those that were going to be a part of the summit on the trip back to Washington, but again, no face-to-face meeting at this point. That is a result of the hospital explosion overnight that left hundreds dead. Uh, you've got Hamas blaming Israel, saying that it was an airstrike that caused the blast, and Israel saying that it was a failed rocket launch by the Islamic Jihad uh, that caused the deaths of hundreds there. It's really changed the perception, not only here, uh, but worldwide, and that's something uh, that has 
has changed the president's visit as well. He was also planning, guys, to really focus hard on humanitarian aid for those in Gaza, those who haven't had any food, water, medical deliveries in the better part of two weeks. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out in light of all that's going on right now. But the White House had said repeatedly uh, that every conversation he had, every stop he made was going to be dealing in some way with that humanitarian aid. And now that, like so much, is in limbo right now here. Jay, uh, we appreciate uh, your reporting as always. And um, I'm sure we're going to be talking to you a lot over the next coming days. Thanks. Thank you. Trying to get some um, more understanding of this United story. United Airlines uh, shares are lower. It's such a big miss uh, in the outlook. Uh, 365 was fine. In fact, it was 30 cents above estimates. Revenue was in line with expectations, but the airline warned a more expensive jet fuel up 20% since mid-July. And the fuel bill uh, is going to increase by 11%, uh, the company says, in in the next quarter. Uh, But also um, a halt in flights to Israel and maybe more specifically to Tel Aviv going to eat into profits in the last three months of the year. Current quarter guidance is a buck 50 to a dollar 80 and that is versus estimates of 206 uh, and versus like 253 i'm sorry 246 246 in the year ago period we're going to talk to scott kirby the reason i'm thinking about it is uh, there are there are signs of some softening domestic travel and i'm just wondering overall whether i mean i know the retail sales number was good we still seems like things are we had the delta ceo last week and he talked about some of the same concerns just in terms of jet fuel definitely cutting into things that cuts into their profits um when we asked him though very specifically are you seeing signs of weakness in u.s travel he said no your bookings that you see out let's say for the next couple of months has anything slowed down we haven't becky in the fall we have a uh seasonal reduction in terms of the the real volume of international. We pulled the schedule down in normal times, but the overall booking levels have stayed really strong. We're expecting our revenues to grow 10% system-wide in the fourth quarter, so we're not seeing any impact. The international flights are the most profitable ones, and that's been a huge reason that United and Delta have, have done better than a lot of the other airlines, because those, uh, those big carriers that, that do have a lot of international travel those are very expensive flights and uh, much more profitable flights. So if you're talking about some of those shutting down, my other, my other thought was, are you seeing Americans who don't want to travel to other international places, not just Tel Aviv as a result? If you, are you concerned I, I, I as watching? The, yeah. But United has the biggest exposure to Israel, apparently, and, and this will cause capacity to go down. And uh, as a result, that is going to be higher costs when you have less capacity. Fixed costs go up when you're flying less, and all those things are. Uh, we'll talk to Scott Kirby about it a little bit later. Meantime, activist Mr. Carl Icahn now has sued the board of directors at genetic testing company Illumina. He's accusing them of breaching their fiduciary duties. The complaint was sealed, but Icahn uh, telling the 13D investor conference in New York yesterday that the lawsuit pertained to Illumina's acquisition of cancer detection test maker. Grail, you remember we've talked about that transaction for a very long time, in large part because the FTC and some regulators around the world uh, were looking at that. Illumina purchased Grail in 2021 despite opposition from U.S. and European antitrust regulators. Icon then pursued a proxy fight at Illumina, pushing for the company to divest Grail. Illumina instead has been fighting in court to keep Grail. The company said last week 
It would divest Grail in 12 months if it doesn't win those legal challenges. Of course, uh, the former CEO, uh, or what was the CEO of Illumina, uh, Francis D'Souza, Francis D'Souza, also yeah. a board member of Disney, um, effectively ousted, pushed out of his job by Carl Icahn. Right. Uh, you know, Carl all along has been opposed to this deal, has been very right. angry about it. It's just an interesting move. He got D'Souza out. Right. And what's the, where's is the lawsuit take Mc, you? Is it Steve McMillan who's there now, or am I... Am I who used to be at Stryker? Right? Yeah, he used to be at Stryker, okay. but... Uh, I'm going to be speaking out of school. Let me take a look. Remember, we, we have had... I don't think it's this this one, though, is it? Uh, Jacob Chason. Okay, yeah, sorry. Well, was, was Steve on the board, or am I completely making that he up? He may be on the board, but he's, he's running another uh, company, though. Oh, you know what? I'm probably just confusing that, then, with yeah. the one he's got. Yeah. Um, we have him on. We've had him on uh, talking about... That it's not I, I strike or the logic. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the logic. Right. Okay. An update right now on the seven point eight billion dollar hostile bid by Choice Hotels for Wyndham. Wyndham responded yesterday afternoon, saying that it reviewed the proposal and determined that it is not in the best interest of shareholders. Wyndham said that the pros, proposed transaction involves an extended regulatory timeline and that the outcome would be uncertain. It said it's also concerned about the potential for franchisee churn and excessive leverage levels. And it said it believes that Choice Hotel's stock is fully valued relative to its growth prospects. Yesterday, the CEO of Choice told us that they took the offer public after six months of negotiations because Wyndham broke off the tops. Uh, Wyndham says that it had discussed its concerns with Choice, but that they were unwilling to propose any mitigations to address those concerns, and that's why Wyndham rejected the offer. You can see Wyndham Hotel shares down just by about 47 cents to 74.82. Cheese will be next. Coming up next on Squawk Pod, United Airlines CEO Scott Kirby and his company's quarterly profits. United Airlines and one other airline in the country, out of 10 publicly traded airlines, two airlines are going to account for 98% of the revenue growth this quarter. Plus, how the biggest air carrier to Israel is managing disruption from a war on the ground. Israel is a big impact, but it's transitory. We'll be right back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Up and Andrew, Hugh. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ and uh, at the NASDAQ market side, I should say, in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin, uh, along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan, who is here back at the table. United Airlines says that more expensive jet fuel and war in the Middle East will weigh on profits. Right now, that stock is off by more than 5%. Phil LeBeau joins us with a special guest. Phil? Good morning, Becky. 
Scott Kirby, CEO of United Airlines, let's talk about Q4. Your guidance, Q3, yes, you beat the street. But Q4, your guidance is coming in lower than expected, higher costs. What's the issue here? Well, there's two issues, really. Higher fuel costs. Fuel has gone up a lot, particularly since the war. But even excluding fuel. And the other issue, there is cost pressure everywhere in the industry, including uh, at United. Really two things uh, driving that across the entire industry. One is much higher labor costs than any of us expected. Uh, at the start of the year. And the second one is all the supply chain challenges, uh, which are impacting everyone. It's aircraft, it's engines, it's spare parts, it's air traffic control. And just for a simple example, you know, this quarter we're taking 15 fewer aircraft deliveries than we were expecting. Well, when you're expecting those aircraft, you hire employees. We've got the expenses associated with those airplanes, but aren't producing the capacity yet. And so as long as these supply chain challenges exist, it just drives continued cost pressure at all airlines. Speaking of capacity, how much is the overcapacity, especially on the lower end, with the low-margin carriers, the low-cost carriers, how much is that distorting the market overall? Well, look, I wouldn't describe it as overcapacity, but to me, the most remarkable statistic this quarter for the airline industry is probably that United Airlines and one other airline in the country, out of 10 publicly traded airlines, two airlines are going to account for 98% of the revenue growth this quarter and over 90% of the total pre-tax profitability. I think there is a seismic shift in, in the structure of the airline industry, and, and that leaves us really excited about the future. This seismic shift is changing, where there's a couple of airlines with good, diversified business, air revenue business models uh, that are really succeeding, and that's putting a lot of pressure on everyone else. So what happens with those other airlines, those low-cost airlines? Well, look, I think you know, with, with United doing what we're doing, we provide a great product to customers. Um, it's a much better product. Now that we're putting seats in the market, we're able to accommodate that demand. And the other thing that we've done is with product segmentation, you know, we've got basic economy working well all the way up to Polaris. We, can, we have revenue diversity that can accommodate all the customers. It puts a lot of pressure on But them. within the industry, I hear from other executives who are saying, look, something has to change here because you cannot add as much capacity as we've seen on the lower end without something eventually breaking. Oh, well, it's already broken. I mean, you know, look, we are, we're two airlines that are 98% of the revenue growth are going to be about 11% profit margins. And we're 15 to 25 margin points, not basis points, margin points ahead of the low-cost guys. It has broken on the low end. Um, it's just a matter of time. They, they have to change. They have to change significantly, uh, in my view, uh, to survive. And, and that is already happening. And we'll, I don't know the exact timing, but that's on its way to happening. I know Joe's got a couple of questions. Joe, go ahead. I just tried, yeah, and I think Becky does. Too. I think we're trying to figure it out. Scott, it, it almost sounds like uh, it's labor costs, um, which are, are, we heard about Tel Aviv, and, and you, you are the, the biggest carrier, I think, uh, yeah. to Israel, and I'm trying to understand that. So capacity goes down uh, when, you, when you're not go- flying there and maybe some other places, um, yeah. and therefore your fixed costs are a bigger percentage uh, when you have less capacity paying for, you know, generating revenue. But I really yeah. think I just, and, and fuel costs, you know, those are all, always all over the place. But it really sounds like you're saying that labor costs across the board are much higher. And, and I look at your stock price, and it, it, something's going on there that yeah. we didn't understand. Yeah, so look, on, on all that, first, Israel is a big impact, but it's transitory. Uh, you know, essentially, it's 2% of our capacity. We have most of those costs that are fixed and set in the short term. But they're not set over the medium term. Um, presumably we'll be flying to Israel again. Uh, and if we weren't going to fly to Israel, we'd fly the airplanes to other places. So that's a transitory issue. Uh, labor costs are higher across the board in the industry. Uh, but we're able, at United, we're 
mostly able to, we have been able to pass that on uh, to the consumer. If you just take one step back, you know, yes, it's not reflected in our stock price yet. We're trading at, you know, four times our earnings for this year. Uh, but we also, if you went back to the start of the year, you know, we're going to wind up this year, even with everything that's happened with Israel and with higher fuel prices spiking here in the fourth quarter, we're going to earn double what the consensus was at the start of the year. And, and we look at this and say, the world is developing almost exactly like we thought it would for aviation, both for United and for the rest of the industry. And, and that development, frankly, the stress that's happening at the low end of the industry is going to lead to changes in the industry and a restructuring that's going to leave us at a much better, sustainable, much more structurally profitable industry. Meaning you think, you uh, think those low-cost carriers are going to have to raise costs? Scott, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to follow what you were saying. You think those it's broken I, at the low end, they're going to have to raise costs, and that means more profit for the rest of you? Well, I, I think that consumers have voted. And as long as United has seats in the market, people are not going to fly a frontier spirit. They, I think they have to change the business model to make it attractive for customers, or they're going to go out of business. Scott, in terms of the consumer overall, Close-in bookings were stronger in August and September. Are you seeing any slowdown in the consumer at all? No, at United, we're not. You know, demand is strong and steady, second quarter to third quarter to fourth quarter. You know, again, you know, it's a little different at United. There's two airlines that are 98% of the revenue growth. If you're one of the eight airlines that are trying to share 2% of the revenue growth, it may feel a little different. But at United, it's strong and steady. Scott Kirby, CEO of United Airlines. Uh, and on a day after they posted better-than-expected Q3 uh, earnings, but obviously of coming in shy of expectations for Q4. That's the guidance at this point. Guys, back to you. Right. Okay, Phil. Great. Thanks. Thanks, Scott. Next on Squawk Pod, how should university presidents and company presidents speak out on the Israel-Hamas war? President of Yeshiva University has formed a coalition to help leaders navigate and educate the campus movements making headlines on Wall Street. Rabbi Ari Berman. I don't think these are bad actors. In many cases, I think they're just misguided and misinformed. And if we bring the light of education to it, we can actually create a base on which intellectual, real conversations can happen. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. I'm producer Katie Kramer. We are well into the second week of the Israel-Hamas war, and colleges and companies are grappling with finding the appropriate response to the conflict. CNBC's latest All-America Economic Survey asked 800 people about their attitudes toward Israel, the war, and the U.S. government's involvement in both. And as it turns out, the public is nearly as split as university and corporate leaders. 39% said the U.S. should favor Israelis over Palestinians in the Israel-Hamas war. 6% of respondents said the U.S. should favor Palestinians. But 36% said the U.S. government should treat both Israelis and Palestinians the same. A whopping 19% responded that they are unsure. To help leaders navigate the split public and remain on the right side of history, one university president has taken action. Here's Andrew. 
a coalition of colleges and universities coming together in support of Israel against Hamas. The coalition includes faith-based schools, historically black colleges, uh, the state and city university systems of New York and several others. Joining us right now is the founding signatory, Rabbi Dr. Ari Berman uh, from Yeshiva University president. Uh, he is the president of Yeshiva University. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, tell us about this, this effort, but also tell us about it in the context of, a, of what we're seeing around uh, the country. Frankly, at universities, I fear it may be underneath the surface, even at uh, companies, uh, given that we're a business network. Uh, going on, and then the larger conversation that's also happening about donations to these universities and the like. But but let's start just at what this is really sure. uh, aimed to do. Sure. Look, there's a uh, there's definitely controversy on college campuses now with college presidents. Uh, some people think that college presidents shouldn't say anything about any issue. Others think that they've spoken too little uh, about this issue. So uh, let me give you a little insight on what college presidents think. As a college president and someone who speaks regularly to my uh, colleagues, uh, college presidents are concerned about their Jewish students and their Muslim students. And they're concerned about roiling their campus. So what we've done with this broad-based coalition and by supplying the statement is to give them a tool. We call it the truth. And the truth has two elements to it. The first is that Hamas is a terrorist organization. This is an organization whose mission statement is to destroy the Jewish state and kill the Jewish people. You know, my wife, who's back in Israel, just told me the story that one of our neighbors volunteered to perform to be part of the last rites. We have a ritual, a burial ritual, with their last rites. And she volunteered for the victims of the South. And she just told my wife, that you can't believe the state of the bodies. They didn't just rape the women. They brutalized, they butchered, they decapitated children, they burned people alive. The savagery, the likes of which we haven't seen since the Holocaust. And this isn't a one time. This is an expression of the mission of Hamas. Hamas isn't interested in the two state solution. They're interested in the final solution. So the first truth is that Hamas is a terrorist organization. The second truth is that the Palestinians are not Hamas. This is essential. The Palestinians are not Hamas. We need to right. differentiate between okay. the two. But Rabbi, the, the Palestinians are the ones who are dying now. And I think this is where things get complicated. It's not just college campuses. It's not just corporations. If you're, there's an underlying there, it's like the, the survey on all America shows that 36% favor Israelis over the Palestinians, or 36% say they want them treated equally. 39% favor the Israelis. I mean, that's a, that's a public perception problem, too. How do you, beyond college campuses, what do you do? Well, this, to me, it's essential to differentiate because the Palestinians, like all of our brothers who are Arabs and Muslims, are not Hamas. Hamas is is a, a brutality with a mission that is evil. Mm -hmm. You know, I just came back from uh, when I was in Israel. Before I went to Israel, I was speaking at the UAE. I spoke at Abu Dhabi. And um, uh, they have an Abraham faith house, a family house. And it was International Peace Day. So they invited the president of the Jewish University to speak. And afterwards, we met with a very high-level official, Emirati official. And he told me that he was in Michigan during 9-11. And his father called him and said to him, uh, you need to come home. 
And he said, why do I need to come out? He said, because they're going to turn on you. He goes, I'm not a terrorist. I'm an Emirati. Like, why would they turn? He goes to class. Mm -hmm. He said the class raged against him. There were two women who stood up for him, and there were two Jewish women. And he said from that point and on, he had this real affection for the Jewish people. And what it highlights to me is the importance of separating people. Out. We need to separate right. Hamas. But Rabbi, the, the question I have about universities in the U.S., and I think everybody's trying to figure out, is you have people on the campus of, of, of the University of Pennsylvania, for example. I saw it yesterday, um, a video of somebody literally screaming out genocide to the Jews. Genocide to the Jews. This is happening in the United States. They're saying this out loud, out yeah. loud. And it has been normalized. And so then the question is, in a world where universities are talking about having freedom of speech, and I put that in the context of hate speech clearly, do those students deserve to remain students at that school? Are they supposed to be expelled? Is the university president supposed to actually speak out and say we can't have this? What is supposed to happen? It's great. Thank you. The university president is certainly supposed to speak out. And this is essential, and this is missing. This little piece is sometimes missing in the conversation. Campuses need to be bastions of free speech, but free speech has to be built on the truth, and sometimes the truth is unequivocal. You know, we just read in the synagogues last week that uh, the beginning of Genesis, where it says that God said, let there be light, and there was light. Sometimes so, you have to speak okay, to but create then, so would the you light. Would you support expelling those students? Do you support uh, the law firm that has, has taken, uh, has rescinded job offers to the students who participated uh, in some of these protests? Do you support Bill Ackman's view that he should actually be able to decide whether he wants to hire or not hire the Harvard students that had signed on to those uh, signed onto those letters. What is that answer? Because that is the thing that I think so many people who are watching you right now are trying to figure out the answer to. Look, there's no question that the world notices when people support baby killers. There's no question about that. And what, what we're coming with this statement is to help give a tool for right. to calm waters down in college campuses and to enlighten. That's really what is key. I'm all, right. What inspires my work is Martin Luther King, when he says that darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light right. can. Hate cannot drive out hate, Okay, so only but the, are those can. students supposed to be able to say those things on campus? What we're supposed to do is bring the education. Teach first what are basic truths. Right. Hamas is a terrorist organization. No one can support that. And the I'm not disagreeing with you. Hamas. You know where I stand. I'm asking you, what's supposed to happen to those students? What's supposed to happen to the president of the University of Pennsylvania? Who, by the way, when I look at the situation and think to myself, your entire job is to actually get donations, frankly, from alumni. Like the whole economics of that university uh, break apart when, when a lot of the wealthiest donors say, I'm closing my checkbook to you. I don't understand how long term that that's a tenable solution the University of Pennsylvania. Do I you? I believe that the president of the university is not just an administrative leader, but a moral leader and needs to set a tone. And what I'm happy to share with you, and you see this in the broad-based coalition, is that my peers are able and willing to do it. The moral clarity and moral courage that they have. Right. If you look at my coalition partners all across this country, you know, and we have already people signed up from California, Texas, right. and New York, all different faiths, the public and the privates, HBCUs, right. we all come together to establish that Hamas is a terrorist organization right. that we condemn 
and the Palestinians right. are not Hamas. I, I got I to just ask you to level with us straight, though, on, on what we're seeing. What I specifically just said to you about the University of Pennsylvania, I, I want your actual opinion, your personal opinion. Should the president of that university still be the president of that university? Should the students who literally said physically on the campus, genocide to the Jews, still be students at that university? It's a yes or no question. You know, we're uh, Talmudists, so we don't really do yes or no questions. What we do is the dialectics. And it is true that there need to be consequences for people who are bad actors. There's no question about that. Um, and each university system has to think about what those consequences are. Right. For me, what's more important, because I don't think these are bad actors. In many cases, I think they're just misguided and misinformed. Right. And if we bring the light of education to it, we can actually create a base on which intellectual, real conversations can happen. Do you think this is new, or do you think this has been underneath the surface for a very long time? And, and do you think this is just a problem at universities, or do you think this is a problem throughout this country and, and the and world? It's not just this country. It's, it's definitely, I think it's worse in, in other parts of the world. How does someone that feels empathy for the Palestinian cause, how do you express that and not be supporting a terrorist organization? They're, there's, they have nowhere, it's almost like, do any of these students, are they walking the fine line between not supporting Hamas and trying to That's have what, empathy for the Palestinians? Well, that, is, that is what's essential. We need to, we need to differentiate. They, but it's one big out. demonstration. I, they don't have their own demonstration for and just And that's why it's on the university presidents. You know, I, I have to say, I know university presidents shy away from making collective statements. Mm -hmm. uh, this is an opportunity to have a broad-based coalition across the country. It's an inflection point, not just for the state of Israel and the history of the state of Israel. This can be an inflection point for higher education in our entire society. We can wrap around the basic truths, which will be the bedrock of all future intellectual conversations that Hamas is a terrorist organization and the Palestinians Hamas are not was also Hamas. the elected leadership in the Palestinian territory. Not anymore. Not anymore. Elected leadership. They, right. are, but right, they, right, they right, were right. originally. Over seventy percent of the Palestinians do not want Hamas as ruling Gaza. Mohammed Abbas himself said that Hamas doesn't represent Rabbi. the Palestinian people. We need to separate that and understand it. And the college presidents need to do it because that will enable their whole campus to come together. The campus is roiling. Right. They can set so the they can set the tone. We're, we're going to run out of time, so I just have to have one final question for, for CEOs who are listening to you, because a lot of this is about do you put out a statement, do you not put out a statement. Some of this has become politicized because there's a view that corporations, in particular, and university presidents, put out too many statements on other issues uh, after George Floyd was murdered, uh, around DEI issues, around LGBT issues, and now, for whatever reason. And, and, and I find it disgraceful, they're unwilling for whatever reason not to put out statements around this. The question is, is the University of Chicago approach to the universe, which is we don't put out statements at all, and a lot of CEOs looking at that saying, maybe that's how I should do it. Or is the answer, if you think essential truths are supposed to be spoken about, is the answer actually that on moral issues, and, and I guess the question is, are they always clear? But on this one, I would, I would say it's clear, should actually leaders be putting out statements across the board? There are some truths that are unequivocal. We need to build all conversations on those truths. Bastions of freedom of speech need to be built right. on these truths. I believe CEOs, colleges, they should look at our statement, they should take it, 
and adopt it and use it to their companies. I, th I want all CEOs. Right. I would love all CEOs to take it, cut out presidents, university, and colleges, and put in CEOs of major companies. All should stand in support of Israel right. with the Palestinians who, who suffer under the cruel rule of Hamas in Gaza and with all people of moral conscience. Okay, Rabbi, thank you for coming in this morning. Appreciate it. Thank you. Andrew. Thank you. Okay, that's the pod for today. If you want more of Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin, you can catch our live three-hour broadcast on CNBC every weekday morning starting at 6 Eastern. Also streaming on Peacock, check out Morning News Live. And if you like the highlights and interviews that we provide here on Squawk Pod, click that follow button and share an episode with a friend or colleague. Thanks for listening. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 